Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Good morning and welcome to the programme. Today, exactly a year after the first bombs dropped in Ukraine, we'll hear from the people who stayed and those who left. The latest on the investigation into the shooting of PSNI Chief Inspector John Caldwell, Evelyn takes a closer look at women in politics and those who are trying to attract more to the job. Succession is back on TV next week. We'll have all the new releases on the big and small screen. We'll also bring you the list of the most popular baby names from last year. That's coming hot off the press at 11 o'clock this morning and the controversial low VAT rate extension for hospitality and the eviction ban. We'll talk about it all on The Gathering. You can text us this morning on 51551, email todaycb at rte.ie or on Twitter, we are at Today with Claire. Now, one year after Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine, Kiev is bolstering security across the country today as it braces for further attacks. There's no end in sight to the conflict, which in its first year has killed thousands on both sides, displaced millions, reduced cities to rubble and left large areas of Ukraine under Russian occupation. And just this week, the United States and NATO have accused China of considering supplying arms to Russia and warned Beijing against such a move. China has dismissed those accusations. Lindsay Hilsom, Channel 4 News International Editor, joins us live from Kherson in southern Ukraine. Lindsay, thank you very much for joining us this morning. There's a nervousness where you are, is there, about the prospect of further attacks on this anniversary of the full-scale invasion? Definitely. Kherson was a place that lived under Russian occupation for eight months of this war. It fell very quickly, the only regional capital to do so. And in November, the Ukrainian forces drove the Russians out. There were huge celebrations. I I was here just a week or so afterwards. And people thought their lives would get better. But in fact, what has happened is the Russians had just retreated across the river, destroying the bridges afterwards after them. And now there are artillery attacks every day. I spent uh, some of yesterday with the mayor here. She said, we have three problems, shelling, shelling and shelling. That is what is happening all the time. And she has advised people in Kherson to stay at home today because there's a great concern that on this anniversary, there could be even more shelling, though I have to say so far it's been quiet. So the streets are pretty much deserted. And Lindsay, alongside those immediate fears of a, of a dramatic ex- escalation around these couple of days, what are people saying there about the prospect of China getting involved in a meaningful way in the second year of the invasion? 
Well, on the whole, here in Kherson, people are concerned with more immediate issues. Yesterday, the shelling uh, put out the heating system in part of the area. So people had a very, very cold night. And most of the people I've been speaking to here are just concerned about survival. Many of them have left. This was a city of 300,000 before the war. Now it's down to 50,000. And people are also worried about food. A lot of old people have remained here. But when you pull back and look at the bigger picture, that's when you start to think about China. Because the first year of this conflict was really decided by the weakness of the Russian military. It really was not the, the power and the strength that was expected. The resilience of the Ukrainian military and people, they really did manage to, to resist in, in far more than was expected. And then, of course, the backing which the West then gave Ukraine in order to stand up to the Russians. But I think that what the Chinese are very concerned about as they look now is that they they don't, didn't want this war and they have not as yet armed the Russians, but nor do they want Russia to be humiliated. They don't want Russia to be taken out of the geopolitical equation. They want Russia's support as they rise as a rival power to America and to NATO. And so I think there's a lot of concern, certainly um, amongst Western leaders, that China may now get involved and try and freeze the conflict where it is and stop Ukraine from pushing the Russians out, which is certainly what the Ukrainians want to do and believe they can do. And that's why President Zelensky said yesterday that he was very keen to meet the Chinese and talk to them. Lindsay, thank you very much for joining us from Ukraine this morning. That's Lindsay Hilsom, who's Channel 4 News International Editor. Now, it was a year ago tomorrow that I first spoke to Ukrainian MP Sviatoslav Yurash, the youngest ever MP in the country and chair of the Ukrainian-Irish Friendship Group. Well, I've been speaking to him again this morning. First of all, though, we listened back to our very first conversation this time last year he was sitting in his living room at the time. He'd spent the entire night with an AK-47 at his side, which had just been issued to him. And this is what he told me at that time. I'm no uh, soldier. I'm not exactly uh, uh, trained to its full proper extent. But the reality is that when you have to fight for your life, you learn pretty quickly. We yesterday had a start of uh, the effort to try and provide means for everybody who, just, uh, who wants to help defend their country. I was in a huge queue of MPs actually waiting to, to try and get the weapons to try and uh, again resist the Russians in every way imaginable. What weapon do you have? AK-47. So that was a year ago, exactly, pretty much, Sviatoslav. Do you remember sitting in your home with the AK-47, just not knowing what might happen next? Vividly. And uh, to be honest with you, at that point, I was very confident that uh, I am committed to this fight uh, in whatever way it shall proceed, because this is our country and we shall defend it in every single way, with every single one of our um, instruments, including AK-47. We want to mention as well your very close friend who lost her life, Alexandra Kushnova, and she died at the same time as the Irish cameraman Pierre Zakshevsky. And we're all really aware when we speak to you that while Kiev hasn't fallen, Ukraine is still very much fighting. You have lost very close friends and colleagues along the way. 
Indeed. And uh, the reality of our fight is that we have lost too much um, to give up that fight for which all of these people that have been as dear and as near and as close to us as can be gave everything. And uh, that dream was to build that Ukraine, which we are trying to defend, trying to transform and trying to create that idea of that independent Euro-Atlantic nation that Ukraine should be. And having experienced all that you have over the course of the last year, do you feel like a different person to the man who queued up for the AK-47 a year ago? Well, I put that AK-47 to good use. I mobilised after, after, after Alexandra was killed. Uh, I wanted to join the fight directly in every single way. And uh, I mobilised... Uh, with the Bucha Territorial Defence. I mentioned they named the town because it's sadly very much infamous now in the West because of the tragedies that have been uncovered there done by the Russians. And uh, as far as the fight at that point around Kiev first, and then my platoon was sent to Bakhmut to fight there through the summer. And I very much put that AK to good use as far as beating down Russian attempts to break the line at our part of the front line. Have you been involved in direct combat then? Yes, yes. I've been in the trenches for many, many weeks. And uh, basically, it's the place which has the most meaning as far as uh, the fact that your country is uh, living through, through basically the biggest challenge of this century, not just in, not just, uh, in Ukraine, but uh, I dare say uh, globally. I'm just surprised to hear that you've been so involved in frontline activity. I've spoken to you on a number of occasions and my understanding was that you're involved in logistics and trying to get supplies in. But to hear that you've been directly involved in fighting, that's just extraordinary to to witness how your life has changed so much. Well, we in Ukraine have to do many things at the same time. So the point is everybody is everything. So so I've mobilised and because I've I've been mobilised, um, basically um, become part of military units and uh, that military units uh, again sadly the leader of that unit who I very much believe believe and trusted was killed but the fact is that he's, he very much wanted not just stay and defend uh, the, 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 the key region but also to go to the front lines and continue the fight that's why we went to around Bakhmut and spent there this summer uh, to basically join in with uh, the other units that are there and take up parts of the trench and defend Bakhmut from all the attacks. The Russians are waging on Bakhmut till this moment. What's your sense of, of what today means looking ahead now? We have a still defiant Ukraine and we can hear that in your voice, but also these ominous signs that China might be looking at getting involved on the Russian side. What do you think the outlook is from here on, Sviatoslav? That's why the second part of what you mentioned uh, is very important, logistics. The fact is that uh, modern war is about logistics and being, uh, being able to establish channels of support from various different sides that can keep you in this fight. Uh, I mean, on my side, yes, I've been involved in logistics and after the fight around Kiev and after the summer uh, in the trenches, I've been very much running convoys all around the front lines and trying to help both military and civilians in that way. Uh, but also on the matter of international support, on the great matters of support, it is fundamental to try and uh, keep us uh, going. So we are very thankful for everybody around the world that is uh, battling with us 
till the end. Do you feel that you may get air support from the West now? I know it has been a constant request from Ukraine and from President Zelensky. Do you think that that's moving closer in any way? Uh, We are seeing many steps and many statements from uh, various uh, different Western capitals that clearly indicate that uh, as far as the support on air power, we will we are we are making steps in that direction. But you know, as far as the need for air power, it's very simple. If we are to retake what Russia has seized, we have to use combined arms theory, which involves armor, air power, and infantry. Just given what we've been talking about, so the loss of life that you have experienced all around you, the fact that so many people have left your country now, that this. These attacks have been so oppressive over the last year. What is the, the mood like amongst your colleagues and indeed amongst the wider community in Ukraine? As far as the mood, the fact is it's not just me who has the tragic pages to the story. Every single Ukrainian you'll meet has somebody who they've lost, somebody who's fighting, somebody who left their homes, somebody who, uh, who basically lost their whole livelihood and every year of normality in general. And that's why everyone's committed that all this sacrifice is not in vain. Fiatislav, we're very grateful to you for talking to us again. And over the last year, you really have uh, given us so much of your time, which we appreciate. So, so thank you. We very much appreciate your attention and care for the story of our struggle for freedom. Thank you very much. Well, that's Vyatislav Yurash there speaking to us from, as you can imagine, a very busy Ukrainian parliament today. I'm joined now by Olga Kudryavseva, who's working with the South Kerry Family Resource Centre in Kaharsivine and who arrived in Ireland last March. And also Dasha Sologub, who's living in Cork since last April, both of whom featured in reports from Brian O'Connell over the course of the last year. And I know, Olga and Dasha, you were listening there to what Sviatoslav had to say from the Ukrainian capital this morning. But Olga, I want to go back first of all and talk about your life in Kiev just before the invasion. Just tell us a little bit about what you were doing before this date last year. Um, okay. Um, hello. Good morning. I'm. Um, I worked like a gymnastic coach in the Kiev. Um, so all my life was around the sport. I worked with the kids. I worked around the world. And uh, honestly, at 24 February, that was casual day for me. And I just prepared for the practice. And when everything happened at 5 a.m., all country just woke up. And that was so difficult that you have to change your plans. But you, we, we still didn't understand that our life completely changed. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have to change your, you know, your day, your day. You understand that, oh, my God, you can't go on the job right now. Oh, you have to, you have to do something. You have to pack this emergency backpack. Um, and I remember this day. Uh, I, I really want to forget about this day, to be honest. Yes. Because it's still very painful for me. And I, I'm really traumatized. I didn't think uh, it would be so painful for me. Um, I thought I'm, I'm a little bit stronger because I'm athlete, you know, and I, I struggled a lot of in my life. But this, the, the 
worst experience in my life. Mm-hmm. And Le- leaving, yeah. leaving Kiev as you did on the 5th of March with that one bag, you ended yeah. up in, in Cork. And, and how has your life been for you over the last year or so? Oh, well, um, my life completely changed. And I think I changed, like my personality changed. I'm absolutely different. Um, like I spoke yesterday with my boss and she's a wonderful woman. And she asked me the question that she spoke with her husband. She said, okay, if your house will be in the fire, what what would you take from your house? And she asked me that, and suddenly I started to think, oh my God, I guess nothing. I would just walk away. So, you know, before the war, uh, all the things, it's so important for you, you know, your clothes, I don't know, I, I don't know, maybe your dog. And right now, I understand that I'm absolutely different person. I live for the moment. If I speak with my parents, if I have a food, if I have a friends, I'm happy, you know, and I, before the war, I always planned all my life. I planned, planned, planned. I had a dreams. And right now I just live today. Yes. So yeah, absolutely different. You change what you find important or what you believe is important. Olga, I want to talk to you a little bit now because you left Ukraine with your mother and I know she went on to France and you came to Ireland. Why did you choose Ireland, Olga? Um... Well, um, I think I I tried to be um, sensible at that uh, moment because uh, I understand uh, Dasha's uh, feelings very good, and I just what she says is so you know um, like uh, resonates in uh, in my feelings. Um, yeah, I just I I thought of a place where I could be uh, helpful because. Um, like uh, all my friends in uh, Ukraine, they are now fighting, and uh, as I'm not a fighter, um, I uh, run. And um, I was thinking, like, I didn't want to be in, um, you know, in a position when somebody else has to care about me, and I wanted to get a role where I can care about somewhere else just to make my own contribution to, you know, the the big uh, um, thing that we are all doing, as uh, Vladislav said. So uh, I thought that Ireland will be um, a good place for that because I had uh, language and... um, yeah, that's yes. <laughs> and, that, and that's why you came here and you're, you're working now at the South Kerry Family Resource Centre. But your father, I know, is still in Ukraine. You have friends who stayed yeah. there. Are you always watching anxiously to see what's happening day by day? Um, I did that for maybe um, six or eight months, really. And um, because... Um, uh, when I, I used to work in a communications agency in Ukraine, and when the war started, uh, our team like stayed online, and we just chose uh, to do some social projects, and we did one uh, great uh, that uh, you know it attracted like nine hundred thousand uh, uh, dollars to Ukrainian army. But then we all worked um, like uh, voluntarily and uh, with. Um, some months, uh, people felt that they need to, you know, find their own way. So we closed that uh, project, and then 
I felt the gap and uh, I felt that um, it's uh, very hard when you are here, but uh, uh, you are still, your reality is in one phone, you know, you just live in the phone and it was not easy. Mm-hmm. And um, But since I got this job in the Family Resource Center, it really changed uh, my like everyday life um, dramatically. Um, to be honest, I don't uh, follow the news uh, that much now because I'm concentrated on what I can do and uh, what I can do is something I can do here. Um, By so helping, helping I, other Ukrainians who have come to Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. So I stay in touch with uh, my father, of course, and my friends. Just last night we were chatting, you know, recalling in our mind uh, how the last uh, peace day went, how the first uh, day of the war uh, went. Um, yeah, but um, mostly I'm now focused on uh, like the world I'm living in now, yes. just as Dasha said, and you uh, just leave it uh, Yes, and, and your life in Kahar And Dasha, for you, as we know, you were a gymnast, you went to the Olympics in, in Beijing, and now you're coaching gymnastics here in Ireland. How is that going for you? Are you enjoying that part of your life? Um, <clears throat> when... Um when the war started and uh, when I explained, uh, like everybody asked me, so what did you do for living? What do you want to do here in Ireland? Um, and I always replied, no, I never, I will never work with the kids again. But right now, I really enjoy that. And I'm, I'm relaxed and happy in the gym because honestly, I, I, I do this the best in my life. You know, uh, I feel... I feel happy in the gym with the kids. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different here because sport in Ireland and sport in Ukraine, um, it's absolutely different. You know, you have to communicate with the kids different, be more kind, be more flexible and have more games. In Ukraine, we more strict and we more concentrate on progress. Yes. Uh, I worked abroad, so that's why I know how to work with the kids abroad. Yeah. With you, you know, so um, just it's it's unusual. It's unusual that I have to change, you know, everything and concentrate more. Um, on communication. Yes, you know. and about, it's about everybody taking part and enjoying it here, isn't yeah, it? Which yeah, is exactly. probably a nice exactly. thing once you once you get used to that system. Uh, I, Olga, I just want to ask you about these tensions and protests about housing that we've seen lately and about resources for refugees. What do you think about that, Olga? How do you respond to it? Um, well, um we do what uh, we can do on site, and um, I cannot comment on the, um, you know, government decisions because, uh, you know, people get uh, uh, degrees in what they do, and uh, I'm not <laughs> that person, so I, I cannot comment the decisions. But um, I think that from what I see in our area, uh, I can always speak um, about the Ukrainian community that. Uh, all the basic needs are covered, and uh, it's incredible how local services, the public services, community services work, and uh, they do uh, like incredible, uh, outstanding work, and they cooperate very, like, um, 
Effectively, you know, so um, from what I can see here, because, uh, you know, it's my chance to to talk about that, but it's true, like, um, people get uh, what they need, they get uh, um, the food, they get the shelter, they get the services, they get schools, they mm-hmm. get uh, English lessons, so, um, of course, there will always be a demand on something else, because, um, like, um, people's uh, needs evolve. Yes. Um, Dasha, can I I ask you the same question? How do you feel about those protests? Because it's a difficult position for you to be in. Mm -hmm. You're not here because you chose to leave your country. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We we are all forced to move our houses. And um, honestly, I I don't want to speak for everybody. I want to speak for myself. But I had a wonderful life. I'm from Kiev, from a huge city. And like, I was very happy in Kiev. Um, But when I moved here, I feel so sad to see the people on the street under the blanket. And I I feel it's not fair that... I came here and I need house, you know, I, I need um, I, I need the room. And so a lot of people before the war, they didn't have place where to, you know, where to live. I feel terrible. I feel terrible. And I, I feel like I, I'm that guest, you know, um, who... Nobody invited, but you know, I'm just, I'm just staying in this, in the apartment. And it, oh, sorry, I don't have place where no, to okay. live. No, that's yeah. okay. I, I absolutely understand what you're saying, and I want to say to you that you're very welcome here to Ireland. Yeah, thank and, you. And I thank hope you. that that things continue to go well for you both, Olga and Dasha. Thank you both for joining us today on the program. We'll take a break. Text five one five five one today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio One.